Hey folks, we had a great time talking about uh, Betty Davis. And if you're interested in moving past the uh, topical stuff and right to the Betty Davis movie talk, you might head toward about mm, minute 34. Hope you enjoy. Take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies. Put them in a room and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. I've had it. I'll, I'll start there. I've uh, quit all social media. Really? Yeah, I th- I'd say it's, I, what about promoting the show? It doesn't matter. No. It's, but that's, that's, I mean, I worried about that, but that just becomes your excuse for getting back on social media. Social media isn't, first of all, no one listens to the show, and fewer listen to it than did before. Hmm. And social media accounts for almost literally, possibly, no listeners. Hmm. I, I think literally no to two <laughs> listeners <listener's> an episode <laughs> listen because, because of, of an media. announcement on Facebook or something. Hmm. It doesn't make any difference. It's not where people latch on to this show or other shows for the Mm -hmm. most part. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hate it. I now just, I finally reached a point where I hate, I just hate it. And I caught my, I had a real, I spiraled out of control through the day because I found my, first of all, I don't put anything on there anymore. Mm -hmm. I rarely put things on there anymore. Mm -hmm. I used to. The, The problem with me used to be this is um i, I uh, there are people i like in real life but i don't like them on social media mm. okay. that that's n- truth number 1 any names me. yep okay <laughs> <laughs> but i mean there's a there's a list of people there are people that I, I mean i actually see in my everyday life where i'm like if i only knew you through social media i would just not like you at all and it turns out you're actually uh, i like you right and and I always sort of accepted that I was also one of those people, and that was sort of like my my act of fairness. Like, and I accept that about me. Like, people are going to want to drop me on social media because they're they're not probably seeing the best me. Right. But I just sort of accepted it as part of like part of the grand democratic you know experiment of social media. I have uh, I got to be honest. Like, I'm I'm at this point where I'm trying to find. I want to find my way out of the fucking box here. Yep. That's social media. Yep. The thing is, is that it does perform a couple of minor functions that I do like. When I talk name about them. social media, basically, I'm talking about Facebook. That's really all I do. Okay. So name your name the function. I don't remember people's birthdays. This thing fucking remembers them for me. Okay. I like that. All right. Um, there are a couple of people out there whose stories I'm kind of following as far as what's going on in their lives. I got a friend who recently got diagnosed with, uh, with the big C, mm-hmm. the big casino. Mm-hmm. And so I'm keeping, tr- uh, keeping a little bit of track there of, of that person, you uh-huh. know, that's it. I don't, yeah. I don't post anything on there. Yeah. Even before I thought, see, I thought I had this when I, when I first got really into it, I, I kind of like had what I considered like a distancing thing. Like I always considered social media almost the opposite of actual communication. And yep. so I basically, this is where I could just throw anything. And yeah. I did that for a while. And yeah. now, but now I just, I don't, I don't post almost anything on there that's not related to the Finleys, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, and occasionally I'll go in there and, I don't know, drop a punchline onto somebody else's podcast, uh, you know, podcast poach or, post or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 worthless now. But he, that being said, I like those things that it allows me to do. And what what I really want to do is get back to some of the things that for me are like core value, like reading on a regular basis, like that. 
Right. Instead of looking at Facebook and not participating on Facebook, maybe yep. I should take that time and read. So you know what happened? Trying to figure out what to do. Like just set like dead times for me on on where I don't just, just don't get off look of it. at the fucking just get, thing. Just get just get rid of it. The, I, I I don't know if your phone because you have an Android, right? But the the iPhone has yep. a function where it it now if you want it notifies you at the end of the day your screen time which is fucking depressing oh my no. but it's sort of like here's social media and it was like wow really three hours somehow and it was because it was I, i'm a person who will look at facebook and then look at it a minute later yeah. i mean a few yeah. times and 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 what they do i mean this is so obvious until someone pointed out to me i can't believe i didn't see it is they randomize it each time you open it so it looks like oh stuff's been happening right Right? So right. The, so there's that. So of course, I mean, we knew that they're shitty and, and evil and, and all that. I mean, we knew this was not just this benevolent act right. of, of trying to connect people with their fucking, you know, people from high school or something. But, but you know, and, and you know, of course, the selling your stuff and, and all of that sort of stuff. Right. No, no, go on. Well, Sorry. okay. Well, but, but, but so to, so to speak to your, like, how about becoming better people? I mean, it's a tall order. I'm giving it myself too, <laughs> but it's like, you know, the thing is yeah. like, I have the one thing that keeps me like, well, it's there are like mm, a dozen people who I somehow have on Facebook that I never thought I would hear from again. So like, I'll give you an example. I had a girlfriend when I was 18 in Los Angeles mm -hmm. for like a couple of months, mm. right? And then I just moved on with my life, and it's like, well, there's no, never any way I'd ever, you know, hear from her again. And and by the way, we've been Facebook friends for a couple of years. I still haven't heard from her, mm. and she hasn't heard from me. But it's been this thing, like, well, I, you know, every once in a while her feed pops up. She's for some reason she's she lives in Texas and is really in the Dash Hounds. Nice. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. That's who she became. And I was like, wow, she's a Dash Hound enthusiast. That's not the person I remember, but like, that's interesting. And in my mind, it's like, in no romantic way, she's married and everything else. But like, oh, you never know. If she was passing through Fresno. She might go, hey, I'd love to meet uh, your wife or, right. you know, whatever. But the thing is, how about I just fucking um, do this crazy old fashioned thing? Buy a fucking address book. Remember address books? <laughs> yeah. And just write those How 10 people quaint. down. <laughs> you, mean a P, you mean a PDA, right? Personal digital assistant, right? But, yeah. but it we're just, you know, I just found myself, I'm not putting anything up there. I'm also not contributing to other people's conversations. What I do is I open it, I scroll madly back and forth, and half the time I'm scrolling madly just to get mad at something that I see more than once. <laughs> and I'm fucking sick of it. And I'm sick of myself, and yeah. it, it serves no purpose. And it's like, how about this for social media? How about you write an essay about the thing you like? Come uh -huh. on, instead of taking the fucking easy way out and, and, and saying, you know, like Kamala Harris today. Hmm. Um, it, 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 uh, former Attorney General of California, yeah, yeah. Um, Senator announced her presidency. She gave uh, candidacy for, for presidency. Sorry, mm -hmm. I'm not speaking very well, but 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 she gave her like a rousing Obama esque speech, and it's like I don't know how I feel about it. I kind of liked it, and there were things I was leery about, and you know either. Like I can talk to people about it. I could write something and, and put it online in the numerous online sort of publications. Right. I could shut the fuck up about it. Mm -hmm. But what I was doing instead was just saying nothing. <laughs> I remember one time when Carlos Fuentes died. You know the writer Carlos Fuentes? Yep. Mm -hmm. I know him too, but I've never read him. But when he died, <laughs> I put R.I.P. Carlos Fuentes <laughs> and then link something. And it's like, I've never fucking read him. <laughs> Why would I, you know, of course, it brings yeah. up, it brings up the, the wormiest parts of me too. 
Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, the other thing too is I don't, don't want to, like, okay, so there are people who I know who are like, oh, I hate social media, you know, because I like, I think we're disliking it for the right reasons. Yeah. Some people are doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, oh, you know, they get all your information. Yeah, they fucking have it already. Like, that's not a good reason to stop going to social media. That shit yeah. is already an open book. That's, that, that's a done fucking deal. But, the, but, but yeah, but like, it's just this, this area of non participation that I'm involved in is just, it's not doing anything for, you know? Yeah, that's really, I mean, and the thing is about them having your information. Oh, but it, the other thing too is I don't get any. That's where I get half my fucking news. That's also terrible. Yes, isn't it? That's another reason to get off it because I <laughs> right. get bad news. Yeah, I just, get, just loves fucking everybody I know hates Trump. Yeah, that's all. That's that's all that's in there. And then the odd one that comes in and, and is just you know totally insane the other way. Right, right. Nobody nobody is sane relative to the news that they're trying to propagate on this thing. And that's where I'm getting all my goddamn news is from fucking Facebook and links off of Facebook. Well, Fuck. And so that's the problem. So I've begun to hate the news, but the truth is I don't know that I know enough about the news to hate it. Right. It, it could be that the news is actually much better than I think, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, this, the ideology too, it's listening to something with Nick DiPaolo, who's got, that's a guy I disagree with on almost everything. Uh, Nick DiPaolo. Bit, yeah. But, but I, I think he's fucking, he's quick. Mm-hmm. I, I would see him in a second. He's a very funny guy. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but you know, Nick DePaul was talking about someone was saying, "Well, you know, there are all these sort of the, the quote unquote the lies of Trump, right?" Yeah. And it's sort of like someone is always figuring out, like he, he averages yeah. nine point six a day, right, <laughs> or something. And it's like, look, based on my hearing Trump speak, I don't disbelieve that he tells nine point six. But on the so on the one hand, it's like. But I just walk around all Facebooky, like in mm. my mind, telling myself. He, this guy lies nine points as if that's a relevant <laughs> thing because it's on a meme or something. Well, you know, and then you have Nick DiPaolo who was challenging whoever was challenging him and saying, mm-hmm. Nick DiPaolo is saying, well, who, who gives us this idea that, that Trump's lying? And I just said, well, here's an article from the Washington, huh, the Washington Post. And he goes, well, here's another one from The Guardian. <laughs> the Guardian. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, well, in Nick DiPaolo's world, everybody yeah. and every institution hates Trump. Right. So everything. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Fuck them all. Right. How about I just read some stuff? Well, how about this? How about this? How about this other possibility? No. Here's the thing with Trump. As far as as far as his lies go, I think all politicians lie. Of course. That's a fucking fact. He just lies poorly. <laughs> I think that's really it. He lies in a way that's easy to bat, to fact check and know and point out where it is. I'm gonna even suggest where the fucking loophole. He, is. he might even lie less in that I, I he's he's grounded less in reality. Well, I'm <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's possible. I, sure. I know, like you know, the, the the early one that seemed kind of harmless was like this is the biggest inauguration crowd ever, and it's uh, like it, it was like a third. He lies of the like a fucking him. child. But it's like I I don't even know that he's lying. He might just see a crowd, and he thinks so highly of himself that he just sees it as the biggest crowd ever. Right. He's eh. just a baby boy. He's yeah. just He's a child. child. Yeah. He is a child. So and calling him out on that. It, again, they're all fucking lying to us. Yeah. But isn't that part of the problem, too? Okay, so here's go my ahead. other question. Okay, so if I don't go to Facebook for my fucking news, where do I go for news that I actually trust that isn't a fucking echo chamber of some kind? And one of the things we might do Jesus, is... Anybody listening to this who has a suggestion on that, please tell me the, all about Stormfront. I think the first part of that sentence is answered. No. <laughs> but but I think... But maybe the answer is this also that, that we, we see our salvation in the idea of news. I mean, we do need current events, but I wonder if like the time... Even if we said to ourselves, like, fuck all social media, I want to spend an hour a day reading, you know, newspapers. Mm-hmm. Like reputable newspapers, whatever that means, <laughs> right? help you. How about this? How about spend 30 minutes reading reputable newspapers and 30 minutes learning about like California history 
No, yeah, absolutely. or you know, have some because con- we're also a lot losing of conservation context. in our in our in our state. Yeah, we're losing news and we're losing the context. Uh, you know, the information no. that made us sort of approach news and then make meaning out of it. Right, we're losing all of that shit. That's what we're at. at this point. The only news outlet I almost trust is Al Jazeera. And I'm not sure I should be doing that. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know the I'm basis sh- of, of trusting them or not. And and by the way, I, I while I'm saying this is one of the things like like um ah oh, sitcoms suck. Oh, the writing on sitcoms and, and the writing on sitcoms mostly suck. Oh yeah. But the writers of the shitty writing on sitcoms are are better writers than most people we know. Yeah, that's true. Probably. So it's sort of like yeah, the news sucks in terms of like failing to do what it's supposed to do. But I don't think it's the other extreme is it's like the enemy of the people, and it's like most journalists want right. to do something good and deliver news. So it's yeah. like it's like we're just sort of failing them too. Because if if you were, the fuck is that? Is that you, you motherfucker? <laughs> you don't recognize your own fucking phone. <laughs> In my nose. It's, it was I thought my, Blind Melon Chitlin was coming through. In my pocket. Mm. Oh, you fuck face. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> You're a disaster. It's a clock radio. All right. Um, so, I, uh, but it's also our fault. It's it's also, I mean, like, I got to be responsible for being an interesting person and a knowledgeable person. And, well, like, I don't come, come to the fucking table with that. Mm-hmm. And then news is failing. It's like, fuck. I just. F- Turn off your fucking Facebook, man, everybody. Mm-hmm. And your phone while you're at it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so that was kind of depressing me. Right. What's depressing you, Tom? Oh, what's depressing me? I don't know. I was uh, watching, uh, I was uh, on Netflix the other day, watching, yep. um, just, uh, just going through a bunch of, just blowing through a bunch of movies, and I finally watched The Hateful Eight. Yep. Did you see that? I did. What do you think? I didn't like it. Oh, okay, good. I mean, I, I bring this to you because you're, you're kind of notably a Tarantino fan. Like I do. I think there's a hipsterism that goes around, an anti-Tarantino hipsterism, and it's like the guy's fucking pretty bright. He's done some really great stuff. He's he really, been like, Pulp Fiction is one of the greatest. I think Pulp Fiction is great. One of my favorite movies of yeah. all time. But I was watching The Hateful Eight going yeah. like, has he gotten to the point where he's just writing movies to see how many times he could say nay? Yeah, that's <laughs> it, kind of what really it Really what it felt like. The Hateful Eight had, had two minutes of that were brilliant, and that was um, Samuel Johnson's big pecca. Yes, that was <laughs> that was a startlingly good. Also, when he got shot in the balls, it was really funny. Yeah, but it is. Um, but it, 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 he's it, just written. He's written. He's gotten himself to a point where, like his own, he's a he's an auteur in in a different sense than a lot of people think of an auteur. Like for instance, when they think of like uh, he, he's a Hitchcock auteur, not a Scorsese. Like Scorsese is an auteur, but he's an auteur technically. This is more like somebody who his writing style. You just know it's him the moment you hear it. Yeah, right. he's the also, same thing with like Hitchcock had that. Quality. He's an auteur the way Al- Woody Allen's an auteur too. In in that, um, what they've got is um, a collection of uh, observations right. as a movie lover, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah, Tarantino. Yeah, Tarantino's a fucking badass writer. He's a great innovator, but you stop innovating when you just do a bigger budget version of what you've done before, and that's what I felt was going on with the Hateful Eight. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay, I just I, I was just watching it, going, God dang, what's is he is he has he run out of shit to say? I mean, I think it's a really interesting thing because he's also working in sort of historical uh, time piece. You know, he's he's doing like time pieces. Uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. Fucking time pieces. 
What are you talking about? Well, no, he's just okay. So, he, but he's working from a historical fiction sort of a context, which is interesting. But he, but it, but again, it looks like he's just kind of stuck in that rut. It looks like this was an extension of Django Unchained, right? Frankly, I like Django Unchained. I did too, and I thought it was a much better movie than this because it, it wasn't stuck in the. It, 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 it was just something he's gotten too much into being Tarantino. I think. Well, the thing is, I wonder how much the the times uppy sort of movement will you know the the me too times up you know uh, right. and, and like the the um, the lack of tolerance for intolerable things but by people who can't understand the difference between a movie and a and real life a real event yeah i wonder how much it's going to sort of impact what he does i mean look he'll always have his fans the problem the problem with um here's the problem with pushback uh-huh. of this nature mm-hmm. is that there will always be people who will for instance with tarantino um be like i'm there and fuck the rest but then they become like the assholes you don't want on your side right and this this happened with the blue ck thing yeah. recently we'll talk about that yeah because we go, yeah because suddenly storm because suddenly he's got a career all he wants you can always just do the stormfront circuit or something like that you're over you overuse the stormfront metaphor yeah maybe you maybe. Do. but but yeah i mean i know what you're saying i mean the problem um yeah the, the leaked audio from december right and that mm-hmm. was at governors on long island right okay so there's lots of things going on with that leaked set um, but the one thing that immediately jumps to mind is um, there were a lot of yes men in that yeah. audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a problem. That's actually a problem he had when he was still popular was that his comedy was losing, losing his edge because everybody loved him. Right. And in a way, it's kind of a similar problem because now it's a small group of people who are like, it's like going to a speakeasy or something to see Louis C.K. And it's like they're they're the fanatics, and it's like right. they have no discernment. They, right. They're not going to let a joke bomb. Right. Yeah. And then now they they have the extra sort of the extra oomph of it being like sort of their badge of identity too. Yeah. You know. But again, but again, they're not. He's never going to get. That's what. That's a problem with getting really famous as a stand-up is yeah. you're gonna you're gonna lose you're, you're gonna lose the honest read out of an audience. Jerry Seinfeld could go on any fucking stage yeah. and get a huge reaction, all out of proportion to whatever his jokes may actually be. Yeah. Because he's ne- because once you get to a certain point, you're never going to get an honest read out of an audience. God yeah. willing, Jesus God, I wish I had that problem. <sighs> you never have had it, as far as I can tell. But but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, if Louis C.K. Um, takes bigger risks and does open open uh, tours because these are all sort of closed tours in a way right there's right. almost like secret gigs you know here yeah he's like he's, it's like an ambush gig or something like that right well they're not ambush they're not ambush no, no. he's not he's not doing that there's, that's the, the, the um, oh right 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 no he's not ambushing the audience what i'm saying is he's he's going in like his the show is on friday and on wednesday they're gonna they're gonna announce he's gonna be there just boom you know so you're gonna get a lot of people who are looking out and supporting it. but <laughs> but what happens when he tries to do theaters again and it's going to be mixed people in the audience. Mm-hmm. Cosby, Cosby had to deal with this the last couple of years he was doing stand-up because you'd hear audio recordings where halfway through the set someone would stand up and right. start. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it brings up this other issue, which is like, I mean, I'd like to see how he deals with that on the one hand. On the other hand, I've never been fond of the idea that people who go to comedy clubs somehow think like unlike any other art form you have the right to just stand up and ruin it for everyone else right right i've never i've never understood that no but louis ck if we're going to talk about that finally mm-hmm. and that's you know we had this conversation so it'll be repetition for you but um i'm not at all upset that people don't like 
what he does. I'm surprised at anyone or like what he's doing mm-hmm. with the whole Parkland references and but the thing is, I am a little surprised at anyone who who loved him before and is now saying, "Now he's lost me" because he's always been Exactly a hilarious piece made, of shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what makes him amazing. Is mm-hmm. he talks about, you know, you remember on Saturday Night Live when he talked about um, maybe we should let, um, we should be easier on people who fuck kids because um, the reason they're killing them, they're killing the kids afterwards, <laughs> is we're too hard on them. <laughs> like it was this right. crazy, you know. He he barely got through it, and he sort of like, <laughs> and the whole audience sort of felt, felt relieved with him. Right. And he would take you to those places. So it's it's amazing to me that anyone is turning around and saying like, this is too far. Right. But having said that, if you're the if you are a Parkland school shooting survivor or the parent of a kid who died, mm. I totally, of course, you fucking hate Louis C.K. Right. Just like you know, when when my stepfather died of cancer, mm-hmm. I was a little angry at cancer jokes. Right. For a, you know, a, maybe they never actually have the same funniness they did for me, having sort of seen someone die of cancer. Right. But then they grew on you, right? Like a cancerous tumor, yeah. yeah. But 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 it's sort of like, of course, you have to give those people, of course, a hundred percent. You're upset at him for doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty sure Mormons don't like him. You if you do if you um, are ups, you know upset at him in general, I think you're kind of misguided. But whatever, you know. Mm, right. But I'm shocked. The people who were fans and who are no longer no fans. at people at comedians right. who know what this process is uh, and know yeah. what he's doing. And by the way, never mind the whole thing. Like he was, it, it was a workout gig. I think that's that's yeah. a, a sort of a, a red herring. Who cares whether it's a workout right, gig right, or the right. final product? Because people still paid to see him, right? So, yeah, and it's yeah. like you know, uh, it's just like that other comedian. So like you know, fuck you, uh, Jim Carrey. Who now he's going to be upset? You're sorry that you made that comment, Jim. <laughs> Carry, um, and fuck you, um, Judd Apatow and yeah. Pete Holmes. I mean, I'm shocked at some of the people, and yeah. it's like you know what? This is opportunism well, because you they know better. You wonder if it is because because I think some of them do actually have a genuine thing. There's a lot of young comics mm-hmm. who have who really kind of follow a different sort of an ethic on that stuff. You know, which is the, what? Well, they're they're just they're raised in uh they're they're, they're raised in the um, sort of like in the Me Too world. Like that's that actually informs how they look at stuff. So when they see, so so they bring that mindset to stand up comedy, which seems to me somewhat alien because you know for me stand up is always a thir- that's a First Amendment space if ever there was one. But there are some people who are coming out from you know having been affected their whole or, or, or a majority of their development time period, um, coming out and they're 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 bringing the ethic of Me Too sort of along with it, which is. What, what, you slow down. What, what is the ethic of Me Too that would apply here? Well, it's the end. It's the nobody should get hurt. Okay. Right. You know, everything everything is a punch down, and, and nobody nobody walks away with their feelings hurt. Like that, that's an, that's an important thing. A for punch some. up, I think you mean. So always always punch up. Yeah. That's no pu- I punch down, Joe. Yeah. Wait, no, saying, you're, no, you're you're right. Okay. Punch up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You a punch, buddy? No, you you a punch. No, I just want to make sure I understood that. So so it's like they want everything to be a punch up and, and right. And every joke's got every political joke's got to be anti you know Trump or or you know something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, it's yeah, got to yeah, right. coming from the kinder, gentler, more sensitive world that political correctness is supposed to be giving us. Quite yeah. frankly, so you know I think those people are actually entering into comedy, which is which begs what is that going to look like ten years from now? I don't know. You know. Yeah, I guess so. Because I, I, I'm I'm also sort of sick of of and I I've been guilty of this of sort of deciphering it's sort of like um well wait a minute that's not really a joke about rape it's a joke it's condemning rape and it's like it doesn't matter 
is it funny? Like, be funny, right. or or you're not funny. And right. It, it, right. All every comedian has been both. Probably. Mm. It's like that's really what it comes down to. Right. You would hope. I guess. I, I definitely hope. Well. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, funny is for, for me, funny is the whole point of the goddamn exercise. And so, I did getting politics involved in it seems very weird to me. But it's politics is. I don't know. Maybe it's what's happening. I mean, there's just no avoiding it. I don't know. But okay, wait, wait, wait. Fuck, wait, wait. I don't know. Is it, is, is is like you know, like the is the PC culture going to eat start eating its own tail and disappear? I don't know. Yes, it will. But that's here's the problem. I I think that um, the pushbacks, the, the pendulum of history is getting sort of um, narrower and quicker. So um, hmm. my I, I had a thought a, a, a while ago about the whole P, the 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 annoying the maddening part of the pc culture right which to me is a lot of that pc culture but but it's sort of like well you know what they eat their own you already begin to see them eat their own um they'll destroy themselves and it's like they will i believe they will eat their own i believe they will destroy themselves but here's what i all of a sudden remembered we have trump yeah because he's a response he's a response to them eating themselves but two years ago. Right. And it's like, I guess I would rather have a horrible, maddening PC culture than one where I imagine Trump is, is, is or Trumpites are in charge forever. Right. But I don't want either. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know that we have to have and, either. And the damage the PC culture can, is doing on its way towards what I assume is its extinction is rough. It's yeah, yeah, temporary and, and extinction he, because there'll be a pushback again. Of course. It's the never-ending pendulum, right? Oh. Ugh, pendulums. Pendulums. Pendulums are such a pit. That's, that was a solid <laughs> po' joke. Actually, that was a solid po' joke. Solid po' joke. I got to give you that. I was going to no. sort of give you the silent treatment, but that was a solid... Um, um, po-, po joke. Po joke. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. Solid po boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean, and then so I mean, like he was in San Jose, uh, to to all kinds of protests uh, outside of the improv or whatever. And funny. I just I can't imagine protesting a comedy show. It's just so insane insane to me. Now I heard one of the jokes he told, and I was a little like, oh, dude, Louis, <laughs> whoa. How was your year? No, what was it? What was it again? Um, I think he opened up. It's one of those. He kind of is fond of the Carlin Open, mm-hmm. you know. Like Carlin needs, I think Carlin needs to open a show with like. Did you ever notice the people who are against abortion are people you wouldn't want to fuck in the first place? And it's like, <laughs> bam, let's go from right, there, right? Right, right, right. And so the David Tell, yeah. So, so Louis C.K. opened up with, um, "What can I say? I like to masturbate, and I don't like to be alone." And it's sort of like, <laughs> wow, like, oh, um, that just seems your. But, but again, uh, this is why people like Louis C.K. to begin with, right? This it's that fucking his 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 chance taking in that situation. Yep. Just watching the balancing act as he mo- and he, he almost always pulls it off. Yeah, is fucking amazing. That's that's what makes him ex- like an extraordinary comic, the comic of the hour, still in a sense. In a way, yeah. I heard um, one of my favorite people, a uh, famous people that mm-hmm. I just love, like I personally Adolf love. Hitler, go. That is, <laughs> that that I would like. Just think, I I would definitely be friends with this person, no question. Is Alan Alda? I've I've always uh, just loved everything Alan Alda does, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that he's kind of like even Sweet Liberty. Come on, uh, yeah, even Sweet Liberty, <laughs> even the Four Seasons. I don't care what he does. I love it, um, but I love him as a person. Yeah, even beyond because I can't think of I can't think of us doing an Alan Alda episode. I can't think of like two movies I'd love to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, even Mash got annoying after a while because it it, it sort of got into like really maudlin territory. Mm-hmm. There was like no jokes anymore. Right, right, right. But having said all that, you know, he's just an interesting, interesting person, and he um, 
he's you know kind of coasted into like you know part-time acting and and he um he sponsors this like institute for like scientific inquiry and he does all these really interesting things right but and and he wrote a book um about communication a couple of years ago and i didn't get it but but you know he 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 decided (laughs) at one point in his life like um he wanted to become a better communicator and he's like i'm an actor but i'm a bad communicator Hmm. and so i thought well that's kind of interesting but you know so now he's got a podcast and uh, I recently took a trip, and uh, my wife and I were listening to a couple of episodes, and he mm-hmm. had one with Sarah Silverman. And, and by the way, Louis C.K. came up. Okay, right. Um, for, for a moment, but it was also about like... Um, I know she's really torn on the whole Louis C.K. thing, she's well, a, but she's in a bad position there. She talked about it. She talked about it in a way that was, you know, kind of clarified it even more, I would say. But mm-hmm. but I, I don't mention it to sort of revisit the Louis C.K. thing. It's more like Louis C.K. thing opens up this thing that Alan Alda's talking about, and that's like, you know, Alan Alda sees... You fucking cocksucker. Turn your motherfucking phone off, Tom. I guess so. Sure. Turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> oh, wait. Facebook. Hold on. Okay, go. Oh, my God. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Just, what? Uh, what are you're the most uh, adept man at. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, finishing a sentence. Go. Oh, you, you can start one, my friend. All right. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was, they were sort of revisiting this. I mean, we're living in an age where it's like, you know, you have relatives who, who have sort of bizarre ideas, you know. Your dad doesn't think global warming, your dad laughs at the idea still of global warming. My dad laughs, I swear to God, my dad laughs at second, secondhand smoke. Yeah, no, I know. He thinks it's a ridiculous <laughs> idea, right? And and there's, there's a couple of things each one of us hold that are, will in the final analysis, will be as ridiculous as that mm. to someone else. Sure. We, we have somewhere in us is a stupid idea. I know. I still think people should be getting, uh, you know, inoculations. And eventually, that'll be proved wrong or something like that. You never know. Oh yeah. Right. yeah. Anyways, go on. Yeah. The Earth is flat. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um. Actually, you know what? I want to. Sw- I actually want to switch then because I was going to talk about Alan Alda, but fuck that guy. Fuck what? that, that what? pussy. Wait, well, what? Oh, yeah. Alan Alda. I, your phone just threw me off so much for the second time. So oh, I'm going to switch over to something oh, else. And that's on. the, that's the uh, reasonable conspiracy. I, I to you. There's just nothing you could. <laughs> okay. A, a reasonable uh, conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any? Uh, okay. Conspiracy theory that. I, oh, yeah. Conspiracy theories that I buy. The, the big one for me. What was that? I just throw music your way. Oh, great. Well, I'm going to roll with that punch. Right the big one for me my, is my, 9-11. My, my, 9-11, that's, go ahead. Yeah, that's my big one. The, the, the one where it, it just seems like the, the odds of somebody actually pulling that off without some without a little bit of cooperation on, on our government's end seems ridiculous to me. It just seems to me that there might if, – if it got proved later on that the government said uh, – that uh, George Bush and company said yes, you know, said yes to the attack and yep. let, it, let it happen – I wouldn't be in no way surprised. Kind of a Pearl Harbor style. Exactly, right. Which, it, you know, I, I and honestly, I think it, 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 people would still argue the whole, uh, you know, FDR at Pearl Harbor thing, but I think that's, I think I get it. I think I, I think I'd buy that as well. You know, one of the things that people say that, that in the past has seemed reasonable to me about these conspiracy theories is that no one can keep a secret. Right. right? So it's like, um, you know, I heard some really good debunking of the the fake moon landing thing. Right, right, right. Um, but then it, the the debunkers added like, and there were four hundred thousand members of NASA from different countries, and it's like on the surface that seems so right. Like, how could they possibly get everyone to keep a secret? Right, right, right. Is that what you're thinking here too? No, um, 
I don't get your point. Bring that back. Run, run that by me again. Well, I mean, is part of your your idea? Uh, well, I mean, no. Sorry, I, I misspoke. That. H- how do you contend with the idea mm-hmm. that so many people would have to know about it and not say anything about it? Um, well, because it probably wouldn't have to be very many, and you get you you got people with top secret clearances already dealing with this situation. You know, dealing with the situation in the lead up and in the and in the follow up as well. Uh-huh. So you got people who are, by their definition, sort of. You know, uh, caught up in in a world of keeping secrets. So keeping a secret like that, it, it wouldn't have to be very many people for that to happen, and all of those people would be up in the in the upper echelons of having a clearance. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I I can buy it. Like I, I don't think it has to be first off that many, yeah. bec- but but it has to be uh, some some key people in it, uh, and they and they just it just because the odds of Pulling off something that complicated, never before and never since, but something as complicated as hijacking four different airlines at like the same time—that's yep. that's an that's an incredibly complicated thing. And we had all kinds of evidence. My my belief is that there's a really good possibility that our government let it happen, and so just it doesn't. It, it, I don't think it, it would take some key people to be in on it, but it wouldn't have to be a large conspiracy, mm. like 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 so many others I could point to. But, but but in this case, I think it could be a very short number, short list. So what about you? What do you? What's uh, yours? I, I don't really. There are none that I'm like believe in. But the one that seems the the most possible to me. Well, there are a couple, I guess. But one of them is the um, uh, chemtrails. Chemtrails. Uh, only because. Oh, shit. Well, here's why. Now right. I don't know the mechanics of it, and there's nothing specific that's convinced me. Only that um, we spoke so openly about controlling the weather. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, not in, in any nefarious way, but like, why wouldn't you? Right. If why, you could, you would. Right. Because it would be good for for commerce. Right. Absolutely. And agriculture. And mm-hmm. I mean, it would just be a good thing. So it seems like with um, good, positive, benevolent motivations, we would um, put forward a, a mechanism that allowed for different seedings, if you will. Right. Yeah, I could see that, and of course, but 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 of course, people who who wanted to believe ill will be able to find that in, inherently the moment the moment that even comes up, right? We'll be able to find what? Well, they'll, they'll be able to say, well, they're, yeah, they're controlling the weather, but they're doing it to cause famines in you know in yeah, Oregon well, I, or some goddamn thing. Well, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I, I don't think all theor- conspiracy theorists about um, um, chemtrails are equal. I mean, right. I think there are pe- there are There's conspiracy theorists who believe that it really just is happening. For still benevolent motivations, right. but it's just wrong that it's happening. Right, right, right. Versus right. those who think that there's some sort of like you know they're they're, they're poisoning us and yeah. breast, breast breast cancer rates are crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's a great thing. That's the interesting thing about the whole chemtrail thing is that the the wide variance of different um, sort of theories on it sort of makes it make makes it kind of problematic. Yep, for yep. sure. All right. All right. You want to talk a little Betty Davis? Oh, let's get some let's get some eyes on Betty Davis, shall we? Okay. Um, all right, so we watched uh, three Betty Davis movies. Oh, we sure did. Okay, and um, we'll start with 1942's Now Voyager. Now Voyager. Great movie. You liked it? I like it. I like that movie a lot. There's a lot of interesting sort of backstory. They had sort of on the making of Now Voyager That's that it. I think is kind of fascinating. Yeah. Well, it was made at the exact same time as Casablanca was being made on another set. Yep. They shared uh, the music director, which is why there's a lot of music shared between Max the Steiner. two. Yep. 
right? Uh, the the uh, was it uh, Claude Rains was there, Paul Henry. It's 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 kind of it's kind of good cast. It's it's interesting because it was billed as it was going to be a bigger hit than Casablanca was ever expected to be, right. and it really is kind of the poor stepsister of that. I guess um, it's I I'm shocked. It it really is kind of uh, absurd that we ha- we talk about classic movies and we sort of posit ourselves as like classic movie aficionados. And uh-huh. and I think both of us had known so little about Betty Davis. Like we should give this Betty Davis person a chance. Yeah. yeah. And especially since you and I are huge fans of Petrified Forest. Yep. yep. Which is one of those early Betty Davis. We've movies. talked about Betty Davis in, in, in you know in other movies. Certainly Petrified Forest. I what mean, are the movies? Didn't we do Pocket Full of Miracles? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's that. But even that sort of like the kind of the end of her career, mm-hmm. or, you know, toward the. Well, we'll talk about those issues that got that pop up in the sixties, sure, sure. right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so um, she's kind of the Meryl Streep of her time, right? She's a fucking amazing. Actress. She is amazing, <laughs> she's, Paul. She is. Uh, she is like I, I. I would have. I would have said Catherine Hepburn was maybe the best actress of that, but I think maybe Betty Davis might be. Yeah, she might be. I mean, she was nominated like Meryl Streep, sort of like one, I think twice, nominated like mm-hmm. nine or ten times for all these you know, different films. Yep. Probably one too early, actually, for films that were yeah. not as amazing as some of these other films right um but yeah so so now voyager i mean uh yeah now voyager now voyager, now voyager is uh, um now joseph i thought initially this was going to be you know it was like Charlize theron and monster right because first of all i i think betty davis is not giving her due at, she's she's a chameleon which she is because she can be quite beautiful mm-hmm. with her moon eyes. Yeah, yeah. She's, well, she's, she's not a classic beauty. That's an interesting thing about her. She like when the, the song Betty Davis eyes. Her eyes really do carry her. By the way, she's got a kind of an odd look, but her eyes give you something. The the male Betty Davis, I think, is Paul Henry. Paul Henry, really? He's kind of got Betty Davis eyes himself. Well, okay. I'm just saying. Okay, great. Okay, so yeah, I, I think she's I would a sort have said of Peter Lorre more. But. Very, yeah, that's a good one too. She's a, a very, very strange um, actress. She's got like a a, a, a a weird sort of unevenness to her voice, mm-hmm. where she just bellows words out of nowhere all of a sudden. Right. Um, she's got God. this strange look. Yeah. God damn, could she she deliver and sell? Dialogue, good dialogue. She would just boom. She just she was so good at that. Bad dialogue, even. Yeah, she, she managed to pull it all off. She was, yeah, yeah. She just she was just compelling. So this is a so the, the this is a movie about um, really uh, a family, um, it, uh, uh, the Cuntingtons of of Boston. Because <laughs> this sort of old um, school well, family, like, like an old Boston family. It's a word that doesn't make any sense anymore. But but back the in the Boston back family. in the fifties and sixties, it yeah. did right. Right, and it's like um, she's the daughter who um, is the old maid, essentially. Right, and her family is just mean to her, except for one sister. Right, and mean, and even like a sort of a misguided way. Oh, they just, like, she's just, plain, just teasing her constantly. Yeah, right, just fucking with her all the time. Right, what? and she's kept in the house as a slave to her mom, who basically had her in order to have a slave. <laughs> I guess, yeah. She had a, a daughter in her older years to have someone who would take care of her later on. But also, right. like, yeah, you're right. You're right. She doesn't. She doesn't want her daughter to succeed, but she's ashamed of her daughter for not succeeding. Right. Right. Yeah. Despite despite the fact of never supporting her in any way. Yeah. She's yeah. She's just just a miserably browbeaten person. Yeah. And it's also like it's 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 got a little bit of that Home from the Hill thing with like George Hamilton, except that in Home from the Hill, Robert Mitchum wants to make George Hamilton a man. Right. And but this mother doesn't want to make her daughter anything. And in fact, it's the sister who brings Claude Rains, the always a ridiculous 1940s <laughs> psychiatrist who yes. shares patient information with everyone mm-hmm. um, to, to visit her. And, and she's got the classic sort of like, you know, um, 
shut shut in nerd. You know, she she works in yep. endangered ivory. Yeah, she does. She is. Uh, what is she's? Uh, she's got a monobrow. She's not. Uh, yeah, she's she a, she's, in the, she's in a heavy like, lady. Yeah, she walks around in like you know the the, the shoes they used to get people with club feet. I mean, she's just not attractive. Yeah, she's not pulling it off. In it. She she's not winning. We need the to Dudley get some queer eye on this woman here. Yeah, for sure. So so yeah. So By she, the way, I just want to point out if she had become like if this movie had like right at the halfway point, she'd become a serial killer. Yeah, that would have been not surprising. Yeah, she's I guess. like the perfect mix. Of what well, that's something we could talk about too, because the movie sends a good message for the '40s, but a bad one for for our time in a weird way. <laughs> okay, I mean, it's it. sort of it's you know it did the best it could at the time, but mm-hmm. you know she got, she she um, she's sent to a sanitarium. Right, she has a nervous breakdown. Well, I mean, the thing is, also her nervous breakdown was that she got pissed at her mom. Right. I would be. I was angry at that mother. Oh yeah, I'd have beaten her with one asshole. of my big clogs of yeah. <laughs> those huge shoes off. A real piece of shit. You would have. <laughs> you would have let your phone just continually ring in, in the mother's ears over and over. I don't drive anyone crazy. Somebody's obsessive right now. Somebody's <laughs> obsessing. Yes. So the air is human, Joseph. Yeah. Well, you're quite human, my friend. Well, there you go. Um. So. So. Um. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That must have hurt to admit. I don't, what's that? <laughs> that must have hurt to admit physically. Well, I, I was winking. Uh, um. The. Um. The mother is, you know, I don't know why she's sent off to a sanitarium. I'm not sure what the lesson she has to learn is. She goes to a sanitarium and, uh, and she's boy, we- does she. she's weaving. Mm-hmm. And really what happens is she comes out of the sanitarium better dressed <laughs> and, and looking kind of hot. I mean, uh, yeah, by the way, of, it sounds right. like I'm down in the movie. I liked it. I liked yeah. it. But, but I, it occurred well, to me. Claude made her feel like a sexy woman. Every so. once in a while. Pulled out that French thing on her. Well, well, because she also, there's this weird device in the movie where she where in order to have flashbacks, they do weird things like um, there'll be like a, a shot of somebody turning a page backwards in a book, and that's mm-hmm. her remembering something. Right. And what she remembers is that she had taken a voyage when she was younger with her mother, and she'd fallen in love, and it was very much like a, a um, I think Titanic stole a little bit of this sort of scenery. Right. Like she and... and um, she kicked him off the fucking door. Some ensign or something on, uh-huh. on board were like making out in a Chevy. Right. Or something on, uh, on the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And, and, and so the mother and the captain of the ship, you know, break them up, and it's oh, terrible. And so the mother like... Oh, re- the shame of it. It's practically chains her to the uh, to the house after that right and and so like you know the doctor then you know it's like confrontation therapy or something mm-hmm. right let's let's put her back on a ship right well dressed mm-hmm. and she has to remember like her instructions for sanity which is to like basically be sociable to people right give up the stinky pinky we got it which by the way that's terrible advice because all it's it, like here's the cure stop doing it right <laughs> Doctor, it hurts when I do that. Don't do that. Right. So, right, right, right. so the enter Paul Henry, who's uh, in, a, in an unhappy marriage. Yep. And um, apparently, sort of has a wife who's uh, uh, not unlike Betty Davis's mother. Right, right, right. A, a real controlling, cuntola, and has produced a child who's also a nervous wreck. Like a Betty veal Davis. cutlet, a veal cutlet. And you know, there's, I mean, and the daughter, who's right? She's doing the same thing to, to Paul Henry's daughter. Yeah, that was done to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, look, it, the, the 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 1940s like pretty woman message mm-hmm. that, that you kind of want to cheer for as she comes back and is sort of like in everyone's face, including your mother. Like I'm, you know, I've come a long way, baby. 
baby, and you know, I'm not going to put those spectacles on again. And I'm going to start smoking. Uh, she starts smoking and, and doing it in front of people. Yeah, I mean, she's like you're you're kind of cheering for it because it's like anyone who's had that feeling, which is probably most people at one point in their life, like felt like kind of downtrodden or oppressed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like in your face, like me, like me on this podcast, right? Um, Just yearning to break free these chains. I'll check your phone, Tom. Maybe there's a <laughs> musical reminder. That's why it plays the blues, motherfucker. Yeah. So, um, uh, but it's like you know, there's you want to cheer for that, but then you're like, wait, what is the message of this movie? Because it's mm. sort of like you don't have to be an old maid. No, you can go out right, exactly. You know, no, what you I don't, mean? you don't, Joseph. But but break I, out, man. But it's also sort of like ahead of its time in other ways. Uh-huh. In some ways, it's ahead of its time. But it's it's working with with like psychotherapy and kind of a it, it's yeah. bullshit psychotherapy. It was their notion of what it looked like back then. Yeah, but it was yeah, it was kind of well. No, that's not it. I mean, Spellbound has the same problem. Hitchcock Spellbound with with uh, Bergman and Gergi Pack. Yeah, I guess there were some movies at that it's time corny. period that were sort of like trying to trying to work trying to work that into. But movies. that's not my problem. It's not my problem that that, that it's sort of a, a a blunted version of what psychotherapy could be. Right. My problem is just sort of like I'm not sure because look, it's it, I'm not I'm not asserting that something's to be learned. The movie wants you to learn something. Right. It, you know, it, so I'm yeah, not, I'm playing right. the movie's game, and it's like I'm not sure what you want me to learn because I cheer for her. I think it's but like th- for what? I think Cindy Lauper captured it. Girls just want to have fun that might be the ultimate lesson of this fucking movie <laughs> i think it might be plus there's also like the awesome thing there's that there's that the weirdly romantic thing that paul henry do which is light lights lights up two cigarettes and hands yeah. her one yeah. ah very uh yeah sexy suggestive right there okay so look so basically you have the first two acts are like um the first act is her transformation from nervous wreck bedwetter <laughs> mommy abused me to like a woman who can stand on her own because she puts a nice hat on right. she's confident she's getting confidence lessons and the second act is like her walking through the confidence and confronting her mother again right and and so like with all the problems i pointed out i i like i'm still like on board like ah it's a feel-good movie i'm yeah. digging it i'm on betty's side right betty davis herself is always amazing what, I, what I, I'm less fond of is, is the third act of the movie where there's an absurd kind of coincidence, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She, she somehow ends up being the secret mentor to Paul Henry's little daughter, girl. little right. girl, who's mm-hmm. sort of a version of her right. uh, insane lack of confidence child. Sure. And I don't know why. I don't even I don't really understand what the movie was doing at the end mm. because it doesn't really have any. Uh, it's not even as corny as she like definitely ends up with Paul Henry. Right. He just sort of shows up. He's miserable with his cunty wife who mm-hmm. resembles her mother. There's a version of her there with the younger daughter. But like, what is it? I don't like. I'm not sure what happens in the end of this movie. Yeah, I don't really know either. It feels like a I script it, that just went that that went a little awry. They might have. It might well have been. I don't know. Maybe you know they didn't. I wonder. They didn't have. Um, they maybe have uplifting sentence, back folks. then, but they didn't have empowering. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not. I mean, the thing is, I also risk sort of, you know, um, wanting to like assert empowerment to here. I mean, that's an annoying thing. Mm-hmm. It's a movie from 1942. Right. I'm, just, I'm just talking about like the the logic of the script. Well, I think that, I think they were going for something near to empowering. They just weren't able to sort of. They, they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing. I guess. I mean, the thing <laughs> well, is. Let me ask you this: Has there yeah. ever been a good depiction of psychotherapy in a movie besides Cuckoo's Nest? Um. He was his mother. <laughs> no, I can't think of any. 
I mean, David Spell- and Lisa, maybe, but that's as close as I can get. Spellbound is not very good. Yeah. Um, no, I can't think of Yeah, maybe. they really didn't. Fear Strikes Out and yeah. Psycho. I mean, the, I like I like the movies, but they're not very yeah, yeah. good in that that department. Right. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I, Hitchcock I isn't. I wouldn't say Hitchcock ever really addressed psychotherapy in that sense. You just right? like you just like Freud and, and aberrant behavior, and that's all. He, that's really what he pulled out of that ether. Um, even Dressed to Kill, which is a movie we both love, is not does not do that mm, well. Yeah. 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 No. Huh. I can't think of any. Analyze okay. this, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, please. It's right up there with the Fockers. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, the thing is, but the thing is this, and, and I'm giving, tipping my hand toward the other two movies, I guess, is that whatever you watch Betty Davis in, it's just good to watch Betty Davis, man. Watch Betty just Davis. fucking, I want to have Betty Davis watching parties, but I might tip my other hand in terms just of my weight and homosexuality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I kind of want to do it like a champagne brunch, too. <laughs> and, well, it's, and everybody wears hats from the 40s as well. Yeah, and, and Betty Davis eyes. With a little veil. Yeah. We just gouge at her on its hand. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, I maybe I, I apologize to kind of rush us through this movie, but but um, hmm. what do you have to say about it? I, it, it? I love the movie. I've watched it many, many times. You're kidding me. Years. Yeah. You've so seen it before. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no wonder when I was looking for the third movie here, you were like, now Voyager. You said it in just that voice, too. No, but I happen to like that movie, so I yeah. kind of wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, tell, uh, anything else? Uh, definitely a plus, definitely a thumbs up from me. I say, I say watch it. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't it doesn't hold up to like the scrutiny of modern psychotherapy or anything like that, but yep. I find it's a very enjoyable movie, and it's Betty Davis really sort of shining, is shining in a star vehicle. I think she lost, by the way, so this is um, the, the 43 Academy Awards reflecting the 42 films. She was nominated for this. Mm-hmm. It was like a fourth nomination. I think she lost to um, Greer Garson and Mrs. Miniver. Mrs. Miniver, yeah. Right. And I'm going to say that as much as I like Mrs. Of Betty, nah, Betty, Betty Davis. Davis. Yeah. In fact, I was looking at her list of nominations. And I'm gonna say at least half the time they should have given it to her. Really? Yeah. That's not my phone. <laughs> I swear not to God, my I thought that was phone. your fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's off. It's off. <gasps> all right, man. All right. Um, so let's go. Let's move forward to 1950. All right. So now we're talking about all, <laughs> about, <laughs> all time machine. Yeah. All about Eve. All about Eve. Fuck. Okay, I'm going to say that mm. this movie, first of all, it's maybe one of my new favorites. Uh, okay. okay. I'd never seen it before. Really? Somehow. Oh, my. Okay. Now, I'm also going to say this. Okay. My wife and I, oh, I should just say I, not my wife. Definitely not my wife. No, oh, no, no. Mine have smoked some marijuana before I saw <laughs> this movie. Oh, my. So it was a real, like, no, my <laughs> God, <laughs> land sakes. Everything took on a very dramatic tone with me when uh-huh. I was watching it. Okay. But you know what? It is over the top. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, it's really, really, I mean, in a nice way. It's For me, I like I like how over the top this movie oh, is. It's such a good movie. It's just a well-written movie with like a perfect cast. It's in a oh, lot of senses. I have one, yes. one thing I would say. Uh, about uh, we'll get to this in a few minutes. Well, it's got your dude, your fucking George, George Sanders. George God, Sanders. he just is like one of the great one of the great champagne villains of all. He's a time. bitch. He's a, when you just, call a guy a bitch, he's a cunt. Yeah, he just he's is. He doesn't care what you think about it. He's going to sit here and smoke out of his holder and be cool, regardless. I um, love I love George Sanders. Anything he's in, I want to watch. And I'm also going to say this. I think this is. Um, 
I think Betty Davis is great in, as she is in a lot of movies, in yeah. most movies. Yep. But I think it's an Ann Baxter movie. Ann Baxter fucking was rocked in this movie. Ah, see, here's the thing. is I, don't, it's my, I think the central conceit of the movie, right? I mean, the way she melted in the middle? It was crazy. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, wow. Okay. Right, go ahead. Um, is, I think Ann Baxter is, is, a great, is a really good actress, yep. but she's supposed to be taking Betty Davis's place, and she doesn't bring, she doesn't bring that to me. It's 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 a very real thing. Like all the all the roles where she's supposed to be showing what a great actress she is inside of the movie, you don't see any of them. Well, for, I mean, it's about the it's about the the theater, the theater, which helps. It's not a it's not a meta movie. It's a th- movie about the theater. But right. wait, with with clear condescension towards the movie making industry for sure that they refer to all the time, all the time. But the thing is, I don't think um, that. Betty Davis, Betty Davis, of course, is a great actress, mm-hmm. but the role she plays is a, supposedly a great actress. But there's nothing in that acting that struck me as like she just has that person didn't live just up to the, it. The, the personality comes across. And Baxter is well. It, here's the thing: I think maybe in my in my case, my problem is based on the fact that Anne Baxter is supposed to be playing sort of a blank slate person, a person who is underplaying talent so that she can. You know, move, move in on Betty Davis's territory. Oh, she's single white female, man. like ninja man. Oh, I loved her role, man. This it is fucking the role is great. The it's writing a of this movie, little role. the writing in this movie is fabulous. Like the dialogue is great. Betty Davis really shines in the dialogue in this movie. There's for me. something in the early 1950s where they were they were in love with the um, the the narrative exposition. So it's like 1950 Sunset Boulevard. Right, right, right. right. Um, mm-hmm. Nineteen fifty-two, the bad and the beautiful. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know, let's let's have the camera pan to a new character who says, "Yeah, I was involved back then too." <laughs> and here's my take on it. And so that right. that happens a lot in this movie. Yep, yep. I don't mind it. It's a convention of that time. Mm-hmm. I accept it. Um, and and so it, it's it's really the story of um, a, a young woman who f- who f- just. F- Frauds her way into replacing the, Betty Davis, this the, famous screen uh, state actress. Yeah, yeah. Betty Davis is a, is the famous screen actress. So this nobody, this mousy little nobody, mousy little nobody, mousy. shows up is her biggest fan. Basically, is a stalker. You yeah. you'd get a restraining order on her if she showed up today. It reminded me of our conversation about Bus Stop. She's not quite as bad as Bo and Bus Stop, but it's got <laughs> a little bit of that menace. Like, little, oh my god! Even before bit, even yeah. before we find out what she's ultimately doing, right. it's got that like, oh my god! Right. It's ultimately she's doing is she's made a project out of Betty Davis. She's trying to learn everything about her, become her, yeah. and then supplant her because she's younger, more beautiful, and we all know about Hollywood actresses or any actress. They get to a certain age and they can no longer play these roles that they had played. Which speaks to what your, your previous comment that this is a film that's making a lot of commentary about, about the business. Yes, right. Right? Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, it's yeah. speaking down to Hollywood mm-hmm. from the theater position. Right. It's talking a 1950 about like women being aced out because of their age. Right. In in the theater as well. That's yep. the other thing, too. Yep. And Betty Davis is, she's right at that crux. She's, I guess, in her 40s or something like that. She's yep. still beautiful. Yep. She looks her age, but she's still pull, she's pulling it off. I mean, yeah, she yeah. still is just, she's phenomenal to behold. And just, God, she's such a presence she's on screen. She's so much it's with so amazing. little, yes. too. And I, I know famously she has the eyes but she also acts with her eyes in such a way like her like her body movement you. is famous eyes too yeah. amazing yeah 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 god damn it yeah she and gets it, across it opens up with that scene of like everyone who's been betrayed you don't know that they've been tra- betrayed by Ann Baxter is just sort of looking at her and she's she's making the speech about these wonderful people she works with and they're all looking at her like you fuck face <laughs> we can't do anything now but fuck you oh my god let's put the party scene or Betty Davis 
Fasten your fasten your seatbelts. It's gonna be a rough night. Poor That's Betty a classic. Davis, and she scene. goes downstairs to handle everything. You know who's also and it's Thelma Ritter is a fucking treat in this. She's the uh, maid, right? Uh, well, the helper, the, the assistant. Yeah, yeah. Gets she, kind of supplanted by Ann Baxter as a, as an assistant. Right. As Ann Baxter sees her immediately for what she is, and and, and almost immediately. And yeah, and it's also that that sort of the ego, right? That that wants to be sort of pet of of the two women who don't see it at first, right? Because. You know, well, because their ego is being stroked, stroked and played to. Of course. Right, right, right. But I mean, God. just the wonderful, and it's like, you know, there are absurdities too. Like, you know, Ann Baxter somehow um, uh, needles her way into um, siphoning the gas out of Betty Davis's car <laughs> so that Betty Davis can't make it to her own performance. Right. Ann Baxter then, th- as the understudy, gets to go on stage, and, and that's her breakthrough. And convinces all the critics in town to sort of like, like she, her maneuvering, and this right. is like a crazy. And she is, she is she but only George. Single white female, and George Sanders is the only one because he's he's also an evil scumbag. As a gay man. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's the only one who like actually checks on her story, the nonsense that she spouted when she first got there. Yeah, yeah. Like her, whole back, her whole sobbing backstory yes. is nonsense. And he's the only one who just bothers to go to a microfiche in a library or something. Do you think, and here's the thing, like that kind of montage stuff, right? Because it, re- well, it's not montage, but it does sort of take all these like um, lattice work of storytelling, mm-hmm. if you will, in order to sort of pull this off. Can we do this today? Can we do this today? I mean, in, in 2019, can we make films with that kind of lattice work, you know, moving back and forth? Because we we, hmm. we make films where, like like Single White Female, which is now an old film, but I mean, like we, we make them in modernity in a way where it's like somebody's maneuvering, but we use such different tactics to show their maneuvering because uh-huh. our, our cinematography is much more sophisticated. But could we just do it with story the way that they did it here? Oh, God. I don't know. If, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I don't want to sound like we're like the, the fit. Old man Finley's back porch here. Oh. Well, movies just can't be as good as they just once don't were. Don't care for that Dolby, sir. That no, Dolby sound no, reduction. Dolby sound shit. Bullshit. Yeah. The Pana, Panavision, nothing. Naziavision. That's what that was. Yep. Anyways, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to be caught on that, but I don't think I don't think most screenwriting is up to the par of what it was back then. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, mean, first off, we, we don't trust the audience. <laughs> Nobody trusts the audience enough to do the storytelling that they were doing in this movie. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know that I buy that or not. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with some you. Some would, some don't. There's some bad exposition in the early uh, uh, filmmaking where they had to have a, a close up of everything that was happening mm-hmm. rather than the implication. So yeah, that that may yeah, be true. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying they were all wizards back no, then. No, I'm no, no. They were good and they were you know. But I do see your point, generally speaking. But what 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 sort of rubs against that for me is is that um, we also um, have the spirit of I can't think of words today. Sorry. Well, you just buy something. What is it called? You just what? You just buy something. You buy into it. Oh, uh, let, yeah, that thing. <laughs> that thing where you buy suspension of disbelief. Suspension of disbelief. Well, Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't Hold get on. It. phone. What does that say? We have that. <laughs> we have that. Um, That's sort the name of, of the song. Oh, automatically, shit. when we watch an old film. We mm-hmm. just put ourselves in a 1950 mindset. Yeah. We go like, oh, okay, oh, I'm going to yeah, suspend. That's true, isn't it? Well, for oh, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Absolutely, because I mean, look, I, I love Ingrid Bergman. Yeah, Ingrid Bergman's great. She's great in um, name of uh, what's uh, Anastasia. Anastasia. She's great in that movie. Yeah, I wouldn't accept that acting now. 
Okay. I mean, she was Oscar worthy for 1956, but that some of the over the top stuff we uh, wouldn't, well, we wouldn't yeah, go the, for. The, now. the ethos of acting definitely, the the, the tools of acting have yeah. definitely changed and, and yeah. moved forward. Right, Marlon Brando and, and I mean, whole, we just we do that all the time. Right. Oh, the which schools, by the way, right? which, by the way, also tells Method me this. Acting. Another thing I was thinking was I think Betty Davis was um, an unconscious method actor. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I mean, she just really just was. She was a chameleon. She was a, she was that role when she was doing it. Yeah. God fucking that. Again, again, I, I had Catherine Hepburn up on this pedestal, and she's still way out there. Oh, for but sure. But Betty Davis, maybe She better. might be number one. She might she be. Might be. She and Meryl Streep. I mean, I actually probably would put her with Meryl Streep and, and add that there's probably more that I would enjoy with Betty Davis. But, uh, Meryl Streep's one where I'm like, yes, of course. Everything right. you do is amazing, but I don't necessarily always enjoy you. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Judy Holiday. I love Judy Holiday. Oh, of course. I love Judy Holiday. Right, where's this going? <laughs> Who doesn't love the Judy uh, Holiday? Yeah, she won t- the Oscar for Born Yesterday, and I don't think so. Over, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem right to me. Hmm. Tommy, I don't know. I don't, I just, I right. don't want. But I don't want to take anything away from Judy. I can't do it, dude. Judy's great. God damn it, she is. Here's what she should have won for the year before: supporting actress Adam's Rib. Ah, uh, she was fabulous. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. okay. All right. So now we we, okay, turn. Yeah, we gushed enough. I, uh, well, I'm going to keep gushing. We're, we're, we're gushers. I'm going to keep gushing, baby, because squirt, we're going to go forward tonight. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to say this. Uh, um, Betty Davis, despite you know two Academy Awards in the 30s, things like Now Voyager, Little mm-hmm. Foxes, yeah. by the 1940s, all of a sudden, she just each film was like less popular than the next, and she was out of fashion. Right. And so All About Eve sort of restarted her. Yeah. And then it happened again. It was her Pulp Fiction. It was her. It was her Pulp Fiction. For John Travolta and Bruce Willis and half that cast. Right. Yes. And, and by the way, just I, I just want to make very fucking clear. Yep. When you said this is now one of your favorite movies, yep. I get that. That's how good this movie is. If it's on I'm your top ten it. list, I, I believe you. I'm going to watch it without smoking and see if it, it sustains. But I think it will. Right. Okay. So um, this happened again in mm-hmm. that she sort of lost her traction. Right. And then she got older and older. Right. Well, right. then. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Fuck. I've never seen this movie all the way through before. I'd never seen it. I at watched it when all I, before. I watched it when I was a kid, and it scared the shit out of me. Directed who? I don't remember. Uh, Robert, kiss me deadly. Robert. Uh, oh, really? That director? Robert um, Zemeckis. No, I don't remember the guy's name. Really? Well, and I can't look on my phone because my phone's off. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck you. No, 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 no. I, I just feel, I just have no memory today for some reason. Yeah, I just feel that like right. marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Baby Jane? No, really. Whatever happened, said Joe. The guy who, who directed Kiss Me Deadly. Yeah, that guy. Um, uh, directed uh, Joan Crawford mm-hmm. and Ms. Betty Davis. Ms. Betty Davis. Now, Betty Davis at this point, famously the year before, was so desperate for work, she put an ad in the newspaper. <laughs> Actress right? seeking work. Fuck There's off. a famous Betty advertisement that she put out there because she just couldn't get any work. Uh-huh. So um, Joan, Font, uh, Joan Crawford, Joan Crawford, Crawfish, who's who's sort of in the same boat, mm-hmm. and they were already not fans of each other. For oh, a they fucking long hated each time. other. Every you you hear like the apocryphal tale of two actresses being catty and mean to each other in Hollywood. Yeah. It's almost like based on these two. Well, there's a um, they were just they were fucking super divas. So I, I have I watched this film a couple weeks ago with my wife, mm-hmm. and then were you high, Joseph? We'd never probably, but we'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. We were blown away by it, and then we it occurred. Just wait a minute. There's this whole TV series called Feud, and it, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's with uh, Jessica Lange as Joan Crawford, mm-hmm. 
and Susan Sarandon as Betty Davis both do a Ooh. great job. Okay. And it sort of like unravels the whole story of them and their feuds in the past. Really? And they had similarities. They had differences. Joan Crawford was, um, you know, uh, did porno early on. I mean, she was really a desperate, desperate sort of woman early on. Very, uh-huh. very, very poor. And Betty Davis was actually the more likable right. one, but the one who had a little more privilege. Right, right, right. right they right. both had these adopted kids mm-hmm. who did not care for them. Because <laughs> they beat them with they beat them with Because things, in Joe apparently. Crawford's case, that right. happened. And, and um, Betty Davis's case, she just wasn't very good. And in fact, in <laughs> Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, her daughter makes her only film appearance as the, the next-door neighbor girl. Oh God, she's terrible. She's, she's the only thing she, in this movie that didn't fit at she all. She is awful, and in fact, that that Ugh. whole series sort of chronicles that, like how really? she told her daughter, like, "Well, maybe people won't notice your performance." Like that was her, <laughs> her encouragement, which is why she probably wasn't such a great one. Yeah, I'm sure, but I mean, so there's there's all that sort of stuff in her relationship with a director whose name I still can't remember. I want to say it's Robert Alvarez, but that's not it. Mm. Um, from Kiss Me Deadly, but they kind of had like a an on again, off again sort of fling. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, the whole the whole sort of thing um betty davis was nominated again for an academy award joan crawford was not nominated but joan crawford well joan crawford um got her friend hedda hopper to (laughs) rally against betty davis Uh uh-huh right right and to rally in favor of ann bancroft who was nominated for the miracle worker Mm -hmm. and um Mm. someone else i forget who else and then joan crawford um, came as the elder sort of like um, matriarch of Hollywood to mm-hmm. Anne Bank- Bancroft and the other actress, I can't remember, and said, if you win, do you mind if I go up and accept your award? So she pin- so what happened was did, B- did, Betty Davis did not get it, yeah. and Joan Crawford went out in front of her to accept the, <laughs> the Oscar anyway. And, appara- and it was Anne Bancroft's oh, Oscar for The Miracle Worker, and apparently Anne Bancroft never saw the Oscar. Oh, Joan Crawford fuck, just she kept, kept it. Kept it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was uh, oh, it was uh, Geraldine Page, was the other one. Okay, the Sweet Birds of whatever the Tennessee Williams play. Anyway, oh, so, so there's all these great. I mean, God, I can go it, on and on with these crazy <laughs> stories between these two ladies, and but and this, yeah, and you know, and the famous, the famous thing like when Joan Crawford died, and and they asked Betty Davis immediately for a comment, and, and Betty Davis said. Uh, my mother said only to speak um, good of the dead. She's, She's dead. dead. Good. good. So, so. By the way, and this this movie, okay, this movie yeah, has the quality of like, say, Virginia Woolf, yep. where the actual oh. where the actual relationship between the two leads yep. transports itself onto the screen. It becomes part of the energy of what's going yeah. on. Wildly, because the thing is this: Joan Crawford was not a good person. By any yeah, yeah, sort of she, standard, she doesn't seem to have been. Betty Davis was maybe not a good mother. Yeah, a flawed um, a, person. A lot of, fl- but it was de- kind of a decent person, right? And and you know, uh, of course, absurdly, Betty Davis plays the insane <laughs> asshole, the most terrible, one of the person. most terrifying people I've ever and seen, just an awful person. Yeah, just a rotten, just just a terrible thing. And Joan Crawford plays like the saintly, person. saintly one. Well, <laughs> until the end, when you find out it's not right, quite right. so saintly. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a, I mean, just a, a, and, and of course, the Baby Jane thing sort of stems from the idea that Joan, uh, I'm sorry, Betty Davis's character as a golden-haired Shirley Temple type um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, stage present. What do you call it? Not burlesque, the, the sort of circuit. Uh, vaudeville. Vaudeville. 
um, was the sort of, uh, I, for reasons that are totally unclear, it's the most unclear part of the movie, why she was a popular act. Well, she was like, yeah, some kind of, some some huge child star, like on a Shirley Temple level, but you're right, in the vaudeville days. So you got this mother and father who drag her around, and this older sister, the young younger character of Joan Crawford, is like this good little girl who watches her shitty, golden-haired younger sister. Just be a shitty person from the start. fucking little cunt, and, and there's, you know, very, very popular for the time. And, and they, then, like, they give away dolls of her, yeah. like life-size dolls of her. How fucking for, for men to molest, creepy and yeah. molesting to this guy. Absolutely, but it's like so. Then what we what we learn later is like like flash forward. Time has sort of gone Past forward several end. decades. We're we're in Hollywood now. And what's kind of cool, by the way, is that I think they must have used like outtakes from um, uh, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis's actual films uh-huh. in order to show that they each had acting careers. Right. And one of them had sort of moved beyond the other, and the reason is because Betty Davis's character was a bad drinker and mm-hmm. full, you know spoiled and you know but meanwhile joan crawford's character becomes a major star yes in hollywood while baby jane which is which was the stage name of betty davis's character yeah just she she couldn't translate it onto the screen and she was you're right she was yeah. a, she was a pain in the ass yeah, yeah. so anyways and so, and so and so there's um <laughs> there's an auto accident <laughs> there's an auto accident and and joan crawford's character is a, a, a paraplegic yeah she ends up yeah she ends up in a wheelchair in a house that she'd already bought with fucking stairs in it jesus half of the movie yeah, could be fixed if there was either. just no stairs in that goddamn put in ramps being taken what's wrong with you care of by her shitty increasingly insane and shitty oh man betty davis what a fucking beautiful shithead God, she plays just this terrifying it's there's a let me, let me when ahead, watching yeah. this movie, there's this whole thing where she's terrifying, but there's a lightness to the technique of the camera, the way the lighting goes on. Yep. It's almost like a there's almost like a sitcomy quality yep. going on at the same time where she's terrifying and 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 is actively terrifying her sister. Yeah. Throughout this movie, am I wrong in no, that perception? No, no. She did her own makeup, and the makeup is almost kabuki white. And you would say it's bad makeup, but it actually adds to the sort of terror. Yeah, like that she is. She would actually she black that character eyes. She would do her own she, makeup that way. She looks like one of her dolls, like went through into a kiln and yeah. came back out. And she's always sort of on perched to sort of um, uh, recapture her career in her own mind somehow. Right. You know, and so it's got that sort definitely of Sunset Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard feel to it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and by the way, again, I would say. Betty Davis and perhaps Joan Crawford too, again, kind of making those statements about what they're going through at the time mm-hmm. about, you know, being an older woman in Hollywood, right. you know, with all this sort of talent, but what do you do with it? Right. Um, I'm telling you, you do have to see that series feud. It, oh, it is pretty it's fucking on Netflix? incredible. Um, I don't remember. Say it so, Joey. Okay. Um, so, so there's all this tension in the house mm-hmm. and, and really what it comes down to is it's a story of Joan Crawford as the prisoner of her sister, <laughs> sister yeah. in this house and like, what's going to happen to her? And her sister just is gets just worse, worse and worse. And this mm-hmm. subplot also, um, and I forget the actor's name, but he was also in Robin and the Seven Hoods. Um, this tall gay actor um, who plays the music teacher. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Who's hired by Betty Davis to, to right. uh, and they actually, both of them flying under hugely false pretenses. And they were both, by the way, Betty Davis and that actor were, were friends for um, the rest of his life. Really, basically, well, he was in, um, actually um, arrested in a raid in a, in a gay club uh-huh. in Los Angeles. Right. Um, and she bailed him out, and from that hmm. moment forward, he, for some reason, he had the foresight to call Betty Davis of all people. No, I wonder if that's like part of the reason, like she is such a big deal in the gay community. 
I mean, yes. over and above just being the star that she was, of course, and being that that flamboyant Hollywood star that she was. Do you think that was maybe part she of it? Said, I remember reading in her bi- in her autobiography, she actually said, "The queers love me." Yeah, yeah. So for, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Huh, okay. I mean, she I'd also, be interested to find she, that. She out. wasn't afraid. She was a great actress, but she wasn't afraid to also be a little kitsch and over the top, and you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah, I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't know. Huh. Okay. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's it's all about like Jesus how God. does Joan Crawford escape this fucking house? This is really yeah. really what it is because she's being terrorized and oh, um, the, the rat, the the pot, yeah, the rat. I remember when I was a kid, the rat scared the shit. out. I stopped watching the movie at that moment. I was like, ah, and it ran out. And it's a thing we're all couldn't watch it. One of those My dad's like, faggot, get back here! <laughs> <laughs> I'll break your legs. <laughs> um, the uh, it's one of those movies where like all the um, the victims' possible allies always come this close right. to helping out but not quite and you, you want to like yell at the TV like no don't was, go in there I was watching this going you know that's where misery is this is all misery oh, yeah. basically it's, it's very fundamentally the same mechanics as in, as in the movie and book misery yeah Oh, yeah, just watching this thing. oh it's so good man I right. really really love this film and it was supposed to um, and I wish that the guy's name had come to my mind by now but the director of Kiss Me Deadly and uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane that guy whose name is Robert something um, it was supposed Altman. to be re- revived. It's Robert Altman. No, it's not. It is. That's another guy. That's a different guy. <laughs> okay, direct the man. I just wanted to find him. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he. Um, it was going to be. He was going to resurrect his career too. And and Zanuck at at 20th Century basically said like, no, no, let's do more like B horror films. And so for Joan Crawford and this guy, it basically became the bane of their existence. Um, he tried to make a film right afterwards. Um. Um, called uh, Four for Texas with Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy, and apparently it was just a horrendous experience. Did it also have Shirley MacLaine in it? And that's I think you think it's some some came running. Oh, okay, okay, good. Yeah, right. all right. Um, but yeah, so it's sort of like they're you know he and Joan Crawford they never got back on track again. There's mm-hmm. a there's a, an interesting movie she made in 1970, um, and it's about it, she made it in London, and it was about a troll. <laughs> And that was kind of the end of it for her. For well, I remember she was in like the opening, uh, like the first uh, episode of Night Gallery. Night Do you Gallery, remember that? Yeah, yeah, she was great. Embarrassingly, there's a famous story. I remember from Mommy Dearest reading in the book, part. It doesn't have in the film. Hmm. And it's where um, her daughter, Christina, was an actress for a while, too. And she was on a soap opera. Mm-hmm. And um, she got sick. The daughter got sick and had to go to the hospital. And she was, I don't know what to do. And she looked up at the hospital and her mother had finagled into playing her character, a young woman. Like her mother was like 68, trying to play like a 25-year-old on screen. It was just a horror show. Wow. So Joan Crawford, whereas Betty Davis also <laughs> got the short end of the stick because after this, she never really did anything that was beyond like the level of like Escape to Witch Mountain or something. And in the way uh, this, as amazing as this film was, I did too. It's sort of, um, it, it sort of typecast both of them as... Here's how you could be an aged actress. You could be a horror actress, right? And it, but without good scripts. Yeah. Well, you know, so many actors ended up running down that thing. Well, Peter Laurie is a great example of it. You know, once he got past yeah. his height, he ended up being caricatured off into this, you know, this one sort of ghetto of uh, of Hollywood. Yeah, Vincent Price too. I'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, I. I Although I think Vincent more uh, more like embraced it more than most of them. He made it. Oh, his he thing. did fucking Alice Cooper and Michael Jackson voiceovers <laughs> on their albums. Yeah, he didn't mind that. I'm, yeah. Woe to you, O Earth and Sea. Yeah, that. 
Vince, they were going to get originally get Vincent Price. You're talking about Iron Maiden there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He wanted $35,000 or something, so they got <laughs> this other guy. <laughs> like, no, but we got, a, got an impersonator here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's it's a kind of a one-of-a-kind film, and unfortunately, as is often the case with Hollywood, rather than saying, oh, what can we do with this genre that's new, mm-hmm. it's like, how can we sort of make horrible, you know, carbon copies of this right, movie? Right, right, right. Which, and, boy, thank God they don't do that anymore. <laughs> all right anyway so um, such a good such three great movies God yeah Betty davis is someone i'm, I'm going to be revisiting Definitely. for a yeah we didn't we, we we were going to look at was um the other possibility oh, was dark shit. victory i want to get to i haven't gotten to that i, I forgot to press record shut up yeah i'm just kidding i just wanted, uh, I just wanted to bug you oh nice That's here let me get my <laughs> my phone <laughs> out. <laughs> let, me, let me play my theme song. Dick, fuck. All right, uh, but god damn it, They're three great movies. I think I, I almost rank want to them, say rank they them, rank them, rank them, rank them. Oh fuck, rank them really hard. Rank them quick. Okay, uh, one, two, top, three. Uh, one, two, three. Top. Um, all about Eve. Baby Jane. Baby all Jane. Eve. Mal Voyager. Mal Voyager. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely was good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I want to see Dark Victory now. There's a bunch of her stuff that I that I haven't seen that Absolutely. I want to see. Absolutely, Little Foxes, which she does I with Hellman. I want to see that. Hellman's mayonnaise. I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but also Lillian Hellman. A dash of Hellman. To this moment, I still I'm hoping somehow that the, the director's name's going to pop in my head, and it hasn't done it. No, look it up, people. You just got all that room to grow in there too. Do you have any? Um, thing you'd like to, <laughs> do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh uh, yeah, so, uh, go check out check uh, TomSmithComedy.com. I, I try to list my shows up there. Um, um, yeah, drop us, uh, join us on Patreon, please. We can always use it. We can use your help and your love and your encouragement. Nobody's gonna do that. Come on, we should do that. And and send us an email on G on uh, Finley's on Film at gmail.com, please. All right, Tommy, love you, buddy. No, love you.